Israeli intelligence embarks on a new military strategy sending a message to the Ayatollahs and the proxies in their region. The U.S. and European allies are on the precipice of caving to Iran, Russia, and China's demands for a nuclear agreement with the enemies of the Jewish state. An American president's home is raided by its political adversaries. Saudi Arabia is showing impending signs of signing a peace agreement with their Hebrew neighbors. Further signposts are developing towards the fulfillment of prophecies laid out in Jeremiah and Ezekiel. All this and much more as Modern Headlines meets Bible Prophecy, August 2022. Hello, everybody. My name is Mark. You're watching and listening to the Russick Outlook. Thank you very much for joining today's topic, Modern Headlines Meets Bible Prophecy, August 2022. Yes, we're already in August. We're at the tail end of the month, just a few short days away from September, and the, and the year is just flying by. So much happened in the month of August, so I'm excited to unpack a lot of the headlines that we see around the world, how this may be lining up uh, with, with what we see in the Bible, what was foretold thousands of years ago. And, and it's pretty exciting. It's pretty amazing, to be honest with you, especially if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. And if you're not, I would ask that you just kind of sit back and, 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 and listen and watch some of the things that are developing, because uh, I'm taking stuff from around the headlines and how that does line up with what the Bible foretold thousands of years ago, which hopefully will at least make you uh, develop a, a little bit more of a curiosity and maybe look a little further into the veracity and the reality of, of Scripture in Jesus. So on that note, I'd like to ask you, if you wouldn't mind, if you could, hit the like and the subscribe button, wherever the pl- whatever platform you're on. Uh, again, it always helps us get the information out there. And please join our email list, uh, russicoutlook.com. If you go there and sign up for our email, uh, we'll be sure to keep you notified. There's a number of new events that will be happening this fall. We've had some challenges in getting a few things off the ground, such as uh, uh, some some live uh, events that we'll be doing on YouTube and other platforms, um, a- as well as we're going to be accelerating and expanding our Zoom packages where we'll be getting into some, not only some live interactive audiences, but I have some special guests that are going to be lined up for the fall as well. So stay tuned for that. Again, if you're on the email list, we keep you notified. But let's get into this because like I said, there's so much that happened. Um, I, I just want to get right to it. So, uh, you know, I'm giving you just, as, as I usually do in the month, just kind of a montage of images. We had some developments happening in Israel in the beginning of the month uh, in Gaza, where uh, they, the, the military engaged and developed a new strategy that I'll get into. Uh, fortunately, it was not as long as what happened last year. Um, then below that, you see the two police cars, the president of the United States, uh, the FBI had raided his home. We'll get into that. Um, And and then I show you the two flags below with Israel. That's Saudi Arabia. There's been some very, very interesting developments there. Um, Then you have the Russia-Ukraine war. Um, China, what was happening in China uh, as it relates to Taiwan and the United States. Congresswoman uh, Pelosi, the House Speaker, visited there. Uh, certainly the uh, um, the nuclear talks that are going on in uh, in Europe between the United States, their allies, and uh, um, Iran and their uh, allies as well. 
And then Russia and and, uh, Israel, you see that in the lower right-hand corner with the foreign minister of uh, Russia, as well as the prime minister, the new prime minister uh, of Israel, at least for the next few months, uh, Yair Lapid. Uh, very int- all things that are just developing this month that I want to break down. So uh, let's let's just keep this going. So there, as I mentioned, there was um, some some turmoil really, and and some terrorist attacks that happened near the beginning of August uh, from from Gaza. There was some um, rockets that went over there. There was a barrage. Uh, that was happening. But how did it all begin? And, and I kind of want to break this down because it it indicates a, a, a change or an addition of strategy from the Israeli Mossad and the military. Uh, began with the arrest of Bassam al-Sadi, who is an Islamic uh, Jihad official in the West Bank. Shortly after the arrest, the IDF stated that there were concrete warnings of plans by the terrorist group to attack Israelis. And again, we're seeing some things happening on the West Bank uh, where, where we weren't really getting that. You know, most of that was coming from Gaza. Uh, and those images that you see on the right-hand side, if you're following me on video, are rockets that were uh, propelled from Gaza. Uh, so the IDF, uh, Israeli Defense Force, launched a preemptive strike against these targets, uh, assassinating a gentleman named Tahir, Tahir, Tahir Jabiri, who is the official who replaced Abu al-Atta. Um, so this was just a, a change in strategy in the sense that they were going after high-profile military targets. By that, I mean, uh, you know, people who were in opposition either with the Palestinians or the different factions or, or the different militant groups uh, that are that are supported uh, most mostly by Iran. So they were going after these as opposed to reacting, uh, which is what they have been doing for the past 10, 15, 20 years, or if not more, uh, there would be a provocation and Israel would react. At this time, they were a little bit more offensive. Um so they were made aware of these uh, developments that pending attacks would be coming. So rather than either wait for it or you know be ready for it, they decided to be proactive and go on the offense. Uh, so they, you know, the feeling in the Middle East and in Israel is that this should serve as a warning to the Iranians and their proxies and and Hezbollah and Houthis and. Uh, you know, a, a, a number of the different factions that are lined up against the nation of Israel. And I just wanted to pause real quickly. I don't know that this really got a lot of, um, I, I don't think this got a lot of press over here, but there were many missiles, I don't know what the final number was, that went off from Gaza. And you and I saw some of the videos, and maybe sometime in the future I can show them, where the missiles actually went up and turned that back down and landed in in Gaza and uh, near where people were uh, firing the rockets. And I believe, unfortunately, I think some civilians were casualties there. But, you know, again, you, you, you call it what you will. I believe angels are involved because these are spiritual battles. Um, but their equipment, at the very least, if you want to call it man-made, their equipment was malfunctioning. So rather than firing the rockets towards Israel, it wound up coming back into uh, into their lands. So um, 
Israel's preemptive strike serves not only to set the rules in Gaza, which is, you know, primarily what they're concerned with in the immediate because it's 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 right there within the nation, but to also send a message to Iran, Hezbollah, and other proxies that the Jewish state will not necessarily wait for the attack, um, and they hope that this would serve as a deterrent, uh, you know, to- towards their adversaries, towards their enemies. So. Uh, some interesting developments happening there in the beginning of the month. And then I, I mentioned Yair Lapid, and I, I've talked about this last month. Very quickly, uh, the the prior government fell pretty quickly, less than a year, um, and, and that was uh, Prime Minister Bennett. He did not have a vote of confidence within the Knesset. And then Yair Lapid, who is his, supposed to be his joint partner for they were going to do these little two-year stints, uh, as prime minister and as foreign minister or president foreign minister. No, not president. It's, well, I'll just call it, I forget the t- the exact titles, but um doesn't matter. doesn't matter. The leader and the foreign minister. So uh, at any rate, he visited Jordan. So let me, let me cut to this real quick. So he visited the, you know, their, their neighbor, Jordan, which they have good relations with. Um, and again, they wound up discussing a two-state solution because that is what King Abdullah II is advocating. He is their government or in charge of uh, uh, w- what is happening on the Temple Mount that falls under their jurisdiction. Uh, so he discussed a two-state solution. Lapid is considered a little bit more of a centrist, uh, but the, the feeling is that he's not going to have that kind of clout to really do anything because they'll probably have the next set of elections just in a couple of short months, more than likely October. Uh, but the other point that I wanted to bring here is the United States, uh, under this present administration, is advocating and pushing for the two-state solution as well. Um, they're talking about, they haven't done it, but they're talking about uh, you know, returning the capital back to uh, Tel Aviv as opposed to Jerusalem, and then setting up a or uh, a consulate in East Jerusalem as a representation for our country with the Palestinians or the PLO. Um, so I, I just, you know, that's never a good idea. That that's you know that's always destined for failure. Um, I, I've talked about the the countless. Uh, records over the last 30 years of American presidents and, and other nations who have uh, violated or tried to advocate land for peace and dividing up the, the land that, that God gave the Israelis and inevitably all types of uh, um, calamities would fall upon this nation. And, you know, with us, a lot of times it has been uh, um, natural disasters, but there's been economic uh, situations that are tied to it. Natural disasters impacts the economy as well. So um, it's it just it, it it's just you know a further indication of of how the world is trying to divide Israel, this tiny nation, and it's causing so much turmoil in the world, which should again, if you're not a believer, should make you raise you know your eyebrows a little bit and go, well, what's going on here? Because this tiny nation, the size of New Jersey, should not be impacting the world the way it is, but yet the Lord did say that that is what's going to happen. And I, you know, I comment here with uh, Joel 3, 1 through 2, where it closes and said, they have also divided up my land. And that is, again, in, in direct contradiction to what the Lord has laid out for the plans of the Israelis. Uh, I did want to very briefly point out, because I'm talking about Israeli elections, Benny Gantz, who is the defense minister for Israel, uh, he said that it, Jerusalem cannot be the Palestinians' capital too. It can only be one, which makes sense. The reason that that's... Um, 
interesting and also because he is being considered as a possible candidate, a legitimate candidate for uh, um, for a prime minister in October, you know, or maybe if they have him in November. But what it, I think the last that I saw, you know, he has support amongst 15 seats. And to give you, you know, a comparison, uh, uh, the, this past administration got in with the support of five seats out of 120 in the Knesset. Again, I've said this before, the Israeli elections is as unlike anything. If you're an American, it's completely different. Um, it's a democracy, but it's shared amongst the, uh, an assortment of, of parties and, and groups, I'll say seven or eight, you know, around there. So, you know, it was a fractured government that entered in with this, the five-seat support. Supposedly, Benny Gantz has already up to 15 seats. Should he decide to run, he seems to be somewhat popular um, in, in Israel. And he, the reason I wanted to bring this out, too, is because many people are talking about Benjamin Netanyahu getting uh, involved again. He has said he will not become involved with or work or support any government that includes the former prime minister. So something to keep an eye on there. I wanted to focus my attention on specifically on prophecy now. Um, there's a gentleman named, uh, um, I can't believe I, I'm, I'm, I'm having senior moments, Bill Salem. Uh I believe Saller. Oh gosh, that's terrible. But bear with me. I'll, I'll, um, you can you can get him. He he has written on a number of topics, and he writes on uh, prophecies. He's really you know really really good. Um, but he also kind of details some of the other what I'll call the smaller prophecies that could be leading up to Ezekiel uh, chapter thirty eight, which we've talked a lot about here, and we will again today, as well as Armageddon. So he talks a, a, a lot about this kind of um, a preemptive strike, if you will, that's detailed in Jeremiah. And I wanted to um, take note of this because I find this interesting, exactly how it's lining up with the headlines that we're seeing today. So uh, let me show you this. Um, Jeremiah 49, 34 through 39, if you're following me on video, I, I, I have a number of things highlighted here, and it's very important. It says, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet against Elam in the beginning of the reign of Zedekiah, king of Judah. So Elam is a portion of Iran today or Persia. And I show this, I kind of drew this out uh, in, in the lower right-hand corner. You see the red circle and I, I wrote in Elam and I give you the nation of Iran today and some of the... Um, uh, some of the nuclear sites, some of the other sites that are developing for uranium enrichment. So he says this, thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, and I put in red here, I will, because in this short um, uh, scripture reading, Jesus or the, the Lord says, I will seven times. And, you know, most people know that seven is the per number of perfection for the Lord. And he says, I will break the bow of Elam, the chief of their might. And upon Elam will I bring the four winds from the four quarters of heaven, scattered all those winds. There shall be no nation whether the outcasts of Elam shall not come. For I will cause Elam to be dismayed for their enemies and before I seek their life, and I will bring evil upon them, even my fierce anger, says the Lord, and I will send the sword after them till I have consumed them. And I will set my throne in Elam and destroy from thence the king and the princes, says the Lord, but it shall come to pass in the latter days. I, I highlight that because this is what is considered the times leading up to the return of Jesus 
and it's referred to consistently in the Bible as the latter days. He says, I will bring again the captivity of Elam, says the Lord. So he's going to do seven different things. And the reason I, I highlight this is because uh, of the, um, uh, the, the one of the prime nuclear sites is Bashir, which is along the Arabian coast there. And right in the center or, uh, you know, a, a little bit below the center of Elam, the, you know, the old outline of, of where those boundaries would have been. And this is what a lot of the intelligence is bringing up is the, how the, supposedly, and this isn't, you know, official, but there are many in the Middle East and many in, in the U.S. as well as Israel who believe that they now have the capability to release one nuclear bomb. Uh, and, and if not, they're apparently very, very close. So, uh, you know, the part of the problem that the Israelis have is they see the U.S. and the European allies trying to, again, get back into this nuclear agreement that's happening in Vienna, uh, where it's just basically a gigantic bribe. Uh, and, and there's nothing in the recent history of the past 30 or 40 years with the Islamic Republic that indicates that they would honor any, you know, they would do anything but, and that more than likely, and they have in the past, they've taken our funds, taken the money that the 44th president gave to them in the middle of the night without an, uh, an arrangement in Congress, and they 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 put it onto uh, invested it into terrorism and killed, you know, from the United States standpoint, you know, American blood is on uh, uh, is part of that equation. So I say all this because, and actually, Lapid came out and said this this morning. I saw in a headline that. Any deterrence from these discussions that are happening must be contingent upon U.S. military might. And the problem is there is no, uh, there is no comfort, there is, no, uh, there is not really a belief factor that the, the U.S. will be standing strong in the Middle East because of the developments that we've seen in 46, the, the absolute disaster of Afghanistan and the debacle and the betraying of our, of our allies, of our servicemen, as well as uh, the allies that were serving over there with us and leaving all of our military equipment behind. And, uh, you know, you know all that now. But so, you know, any indication is really this, that we're, we're getting away from the Middle East. And even though 46 visited there in July, meaning Israel and the Middle East and Saudi Arabia, uh, the the general consensus that I can see from around the headlines and other reliable resources, I'll put it that way, uh, is that there is not a confidence in the leaders, the kings, the, uh, uh, the, 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 the different people of influence in the Gulf states and in, in Israel that the U.S. can be is a reliant is a reliable partner. It's sad, but um, you know that is the case. So you have this situation developing where you have these nuclear facilities and, you know, Israeli intelligence obviously knows where they are. They've been able to uh, deter so much of them. They've been, you know, taking out different leaders, uh, different scientists. And, you know, I, you know, I'm sure you know a lot of this. It's been in the headlines for the past few years. Um, but now we're at the point where you could be entering into an agreement. You have the, uh, the arm of Russia and China uh, coming alongside Iran with great deal of finances and money and oil and, and just, you know, uh, the, the, basically, you know, the opposite or the enemy of, of, of what we are trying to 
in, in, where people are trying to accomplish, I'll say, in the cause of freedom. Um, so, you know, you have these seven things that, that the Lord said he will do. And he said he will break their bow. And I find bow is a very interesting uh, term here because it's the mechanism to fire. You know, you think about a bow and, you know, this is, you're not, it's not the arrow, it's the mechanism. And, you know, he said, I'll break their bow. Could that be a nuclear facility? Because the nuclear facility would be potentially a bow. And I, I granted, you know, this is conjecture, you know, on my part, but I think it's, you know, it's, it's fairly possible. He says, I will gather the four winds and scatter. Uh, and he's going to scatter the people. And what's interesting, the information that's coming out from the church, and I've cited this before, one of the, the largest growing churches, best I know right now, is in Iran. So where there is this uh, incredible amount of, of pressure and evil, uh, you know, on, on their people, the Christians are rising and, and more and more, and the church is growing and prospering. They see this prophecy. They're thrilled. They want this prophecy. They want they, they want to be part of this because they know inevitably that leads to the return of Jesus. So, you know, when I see people saying, you know, that, that you know, they're under uh, duress or pressure or oppression or, you know, even martyrdom or something like that, and you think about what's going on over there, and boy, my hat's off to them. Uh, it says it will cause Iran to be uh, dismayed. You can another word for that could be humiliated. Uh, it will create a disaster. So if the Israelis were to attack Elam and this nuclear facility in Bashir, that would obviously cause a, a quite a big of a disaster. Um, it says he will send the sword. He will destroy the kings and princes. Could that mean the Ayatollahs, the reign of of, of these individuals and I guess, and then it says, and bring the dispersed back, which would be um, in the millennium. So I want to cut back to the slide for a second. Um, so if you look at the lower right where I show Elam, and then you have the, the Persian Gulf, uh, what's important to understand there from the perspective of the middle of the Gulf states and Saudi Arabia in particular, they are enemies with Iran, but yet they understand the predicament that they're in. And their desalinization plants are in the um, the the Persian Gulf and the the, uh, the the waters there that separates the two countries. So if you have a nuclear disaster in Elam, that dramatically impacts Saudi Arabia. So this is why I say you know, and Lapid has said this too, and and so many others. While the United States does not want to get involved in conflict. The world is better off with a strong United States. It doesn't necessarily mean we have to be everywhere, but one of resolve and one of commitment and one that our partners can rely upon, which is anything but the truth today. So that has them nervous. So that has Saudi Arabia nervous. That has uh, uh, the UAE, Kuwait, uh, Qatar. You know, and all, all of those areas are very nervous. So you need to factor some of these things in when these nations are starting to pick allegiances, I'll say. So even though 46 visited uh, the, the crown prince of, of Saudi Arabia, um, the, the consensus and the, the information that I'm getting, and again, it's pretty reliable, uh, that they did not come away from those talks with any degree of confidence at all. So this, if you set this in motion, could set up what would be um, Ezekiel 38. So beforehand, I just wanted to show a couple of things that have developed 
over the past month concerning passageways that the Israelis could be attacking this area. So I'm going to go back to a, a larger map here, if you're following me on video, and I paint three different scenarios. So on the top of Iran, in the north there, uh, right b below by Georgia, Armenia, and uh, to, to, the, um, to the west of Turkey, is Azerbaijan. And they are pretty much enemies or, you know, there's not friendly relations, I'll put it that way, with the nation of Iran. Uh, and that's been that way for a long time. And they are friendly with the Israelis, so they have a cordial relationship, I'll say. So, and there was some agreements where the um, Israelis were either going to have permission to land at an air base there, or the um, Azerbaijan was going to grant an air base to the Israelis for refueling, because if they were to fly over there and engage, uh, they would need to be able to refuel because they didn't have a way to fly back. Um, and 44, who was no friend of Israel, uh, he was the one who, or at least through his uh, administration, they released the plans of the Israelis to the general public about um, their 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 uh, their bases there in Azerbaijan, which kind of uh, you know took all, all of the intelligence communities by surprise that he would do such a thing, but nonetheless he did. Um, then you have um, so I pointed out two different other ways that they can travel today. So one would be flying over uh, Jordan through Iraq and into that area. You see that arrow going or that. Uh, red line going over there. So that's certainly a possibility. We now, you know, they have the relationship with Jordan, so they're able to use their airspace. Uh, they can, uh, it would be somewhat tricky to get through Iraq because you have some uh, uh, contingencies in there or some relationships. Obviously, Iran is really pulling a lot of the strings in Iraq now. Um, but they have been able to go through undetected in, in Iraqi airspace as far as under the radar, and that was verified by Saudi Arabia, as a matter of fact, uh, this month. And then now you have the ability that the Saudis have granted this month uh, permission for the Israelis to use their airspace. Whether that would be for military or not, I, I, I don't know, but they they've done this in the past month where they've allowed, because of the Abraham Accords, they've allowed the uh, uh, UAE and Bahrain to fly commercially back and forth because now there's relations with Israel and with these Arab countries, and they're using uh, Saudi airspace to fly back and forth commercially, engage in trade now, and, and, and a whole host of other things, tourism. So, that's, you know, part of what's happening. So, there's three different scenarios that Israel could potentially attack uh, um, that that area of Elam, and the reason I wanted to really bring this out is it, 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 it's so close. Because if you do believe that Iran is that close to a bomb, and perhaps as again many uh, reliable resources have said, they have the capacity for one. Um, this is something that Israel cannot accept. I mean, you know, because Iran has made it clear they don't want them. They want to remove them from the face of the map. Uh, so, as you know, not not only Israel, but, you know, the United States is, you know, they are this, the, the great Satan and the little Satan is what the uh, Ayatollahs will, will refer to them as. So their, um, their end game is, is laid out there. And that's something that, uh, you know, Iran, I'm sorry, Israel cannot 
They, 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 they can't take that into account. So it's something to watch. I'm saying that the scenarios being laid out and um, Bill Salas, that's the name, I'm sorry. It's S-A-L-U-S. Uh, so Bill Salas lays a lot of this out. He's, he's gone into detail with the Jeremiah prophecy, uh, the Isaiah 17 prophecy about the fall of Damascus. And uh, I don't line up with some of the things he's laid out for Psalm 83. I think we're past that. But uh, nonetheless, he's, he's just an, a, a tremendous resource. So let me segue into Ezekiel 38. And, you know, I've talked a lot about this. If you follow me, uh, this is the War of Gog of Magog, where Gog is an, an individual. And if you were to look at it today, that could potentially be Vladimir Putin. He's certainly evil and vile enough. And, you know, you see all the catastrophes and the murders and the atrocities that he's caused, not only for his people, but Ukraine and, and elsewhere around the world. And we're going to get to Ukraine because... I think the pieces are starting to line up more and more. Um, so let me let me go to this. If if you're not familiar, I'm just going to briefly explain that there's a host of nations, according to Ezekiel chapter 38, that will align and come after Israel. And I give you, uh, um, uh, you know, the the scripture here I've, I've laid out where it says, "Son of man, set your face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, prophesy against him." This is what the Sovereign Lord says. I am against you, Gog, chief of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws, bring you out with your whole army, your horses, your horsemen, uh, and a great horde with a large and small shields, all of them brandishing their swords. Persia, Cush, and Put will be put with them, uh, will be with them, all with their shields and helmets. Also Gomer with its troops, Beth uh, Togorma from the north and all of its troops and the many nations. So, Again, you can find this information anywhere. I won't go into um, all, all of the explanations, but this really represents Russia to the far north, uh, the southern nations, the Stan nations. Persia is, is modern-day Iran. Uh, you have Turkey involved. You have some of the North African nations, Sudan, potentially Ethiopia. Uh, Tunisia could be a, you know, a part of that coalition as well. So they will eventually... Um, uh, attack Israel. So what, I, what I'm getting at is Jeremiah, if you set that in motion, if you attack Iran on that level, that will bring in Russia, that will bring in potentially Turkey and some of these other nations. And all of them, aside from Russia, are Muslim, are, you know, traditionally against the, the, the Hebrews. And, you know, your southern Russian nations, your stand countries, Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, uh, Potentially, not necessarily Russia, but you have Afghanistan, Pakistan, um, Kazakhstan, and, and these are all Muslim nations. So that's basically what is said. And then, and, and I've cited this so many times, today, where I sit today recording this video, you have the militaries of, of Turkey, Iran, and Russia on the northern border in, in Syria, uh, right, right above Israel. So, you know, Something very simple could set this all in motion, and, and trust me, Israel and, and many are aware of this, but that's the sensitivity, that's, that's how close things are to escalating out of control. You know, this is, I'm not trying to say doom and gloom here, I'm not trying to bring that out, but I am trying to bring an awareness that, you know, folks, we, we need, to, we Christians need to open our eyes, see what's going on, pray, pray with fervency, and, and get 
even more hungry for the Lord, to draw closer to him. What can we do to advance the kingdom of God? Because these things are this close. And God has chosen you to be a part of this in, in this time. So I'm excited by that, even though, uh, you know, I'm writing some of these things or, you know, re- reporting this information. I don't consider myself a reporter, but... Um, so, you know, one of the things it says here, it says they have brought them from out from the nations. So Israel was scattered amongst the nations. It was taken over twice, first by the Babylonians, but then it was scattered after the Roman Empire to all the nations. And God miraculously brought them back just as Scripture prophesied that, that they would. So he says this. Once they had been brought back from the nations and now live in safety. Now, you can say that that could be a relative term, whether they're living in safety or not. I happen to believe they are. Um, about five years ago, I was in Israel uh, throughout the whole nation, um, or most of the nation. I was not in, 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 in Gaza, but, and I wasn't in uh, the, 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 the Sinai either. But aside from that, and I spent, I think, five days in Jerusalem, I felt so safe you know, I never had any hesitation at all. Yes, you see some guarded area, and people will point to some fenced-in area because of the West Bank, but you can get in and out, and there are checkpoints. It's not like you can't get through. So I personally, I believe that where they are today is in, they're operating more safely than at any other time in history, particularly based upon the strength of their military and their intelligence. And their, their, their combative awareness, because they, they enlist and, and, and utilize their civilians and their civilians have to go through the military, men and women, you know, they're prepared. They're, they're and, I, you know, I don't want to go. But anyway, and part of the reason is that God says, I will put a hook in their joy. And it says that they will, he says, I will plunder and loot and turn my hand against the resettled ruins and the people gathered from the nations, rich in livestock and goods, living in the center of the land. So here they are. Israel is one of the most prosperous nations on earth right now. Um, and, and as of about five years ago, and this is kind of why I'm saying we're getting that much closer to, to things developing if we look at the headlines. So let me cut here. Back to the map. You see that they have 32 million. Oh, I'm sorry, you don't see that. But um, about five or six years ago, the great, tremendous discovery, not only in Israel, but off of the coast and on the Mediterranean, they now have 32 trillion cubic feet of natural gas plus oil. So what I'm getting at here in the black and the red is Russia was piping all of their natural gas and energy into Europe. They were the main supplier of, of Europe. Uh, Germany was almost completely solely reliant upon them. So you see that black line and how that was kind of cut off with the the uh, um, advancement of the Ukrainian war. And so now the, the and the Europeans are saying, you know, they they've they've balked at the Russians. They won't purchase the the gas and energy from them. So lo and behold. What happens on the red is Israel has now struck a deal in the month of July, and I reported this last month, to sell natural gas and oil to the Europeans. I find it a little ironic because the Europeans for so long have been advocating, you know, sanctions against them in the UN and, you know, very anti-Semitic at times. Um, But now they become reliant because Israel is so rich and blessed by God 
that they can now supply the prior customers to Russia. And so I'm saying that there is this potential that the Russians will look at this and go, we need to cut off the supply to Europe from what's happening in Israel. So I think that's a very, very distinct possibility of what could happen where, um, you know, again, these things could be triggered off. If you have uh, the, the Jeremiah prophecy, they go after um, uh, Elam or the, uh, Bashir and, you know, some of the other facilities, uh, that could trigger it. Then you have the situation where the gas and the oil are, are, are being now distributed. They've cut the deal. They have pipelines going in under the Mediterranean, already hitting Cyprus and Italy. So all of these things are in motion. Now I wanted to, uh, why, you know, why? So what I just wanted to kind of point out here, um, let me just see something here for a second. I'm sorry. Oh, that was a bad cut. How to get back to that. Sorry about that. Glitch, that's what happens with, with a live video. So that the nations may know me. Um, this is where Ezekiel says, In my zeal and fiery wrath, I declare that at that time there will be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. The fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the beasts of the field, every creature that moves along the ground and all the people of the face of the earth will tremble at my presence. So basically, Lord is going to come into the defense of his people Israel's not going to do anything or have to do from a military standpoint. The Lord will do this. So all of these nations coming against this tiny little country that is laid out in Ezekiel, and you go into chapter 39, and he, you know, he kind of goes into detail, and I've highlighted this. And why is he doing it? It says, so I will show my greatness and my holiness. I will make myself known in the sight of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. So you know, the, the Lord is basically, it's really, to me, a cry of mercy. And I personally believe, just, again, it's just a hunch, that this will see, you will see, uh, hopefully, I hope, millions upon millions of Muslims give their life to Jesus because they will see what happens in Jeremiah, what happens in Ezekiel, that that Allah is, is, is a false religion. And I know, you know, some people may take offense to that, but I'm, I'm just going to say what it's true. And that they will come to see that the Lord is good and that he's rescued his people. And, you know, this is for everyone, for Jew and Gentile. I believe this is what sets everything in motion to Armageddon. And I believe this happens before Armageddon. I've said this before because it goes on to say that there's seven months will uh, be followed where they need to bury the dead. Then there's seven years uh, to clean up the wasted debris. So that really kind of flies in the face of, of that happening in Armageddon. I believe it's the precipice to set the peace deal in motion for Armageddon. I say all these things because we are potentially, I'm not saying any dates or anything like that, that close. But, you know, the Lord says, look for these signs. I'm looking for the signs and I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm seeing them. And he says, if you see these signs, look up your redemption draws nigh. So I want to get back to Saudi Arabia for a second because of the importance there of what's been happening. There are, uh, again, reliable resources are saying that Saudi Arabia is very close to issuing a peace initiative with the Israelis. And what, what I find interesting is if you look at the, the prophecy of, uh, of Ezekiel, it says Sheba, Dedan, and all of her villages, uh, they will not engage in this war, nor will they protest this war. And now you have the Abraham Accords, which I think is, again, another sign of things to come because 
these nations around Saudi Arabia will not protest. They're, they're actually, they have a forging relationship with the, the Israelis. So think about that um, and think about the politics, if you will, where the United States was had a very significant hand in driving four peace deals uh, w- with part of the Abraham Accords, UAE, Bahrain, Morocco, and Sudan, and um, you know, n- barely a peep in the press. You know, they they, they, don't, they don't want to mention it. Um, so you know, it just what, what I'm getting at is the sleight of hand that's being displayed. Uh, so then you have Saudi Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salam, who visited and ha- had his fist bump uh, party with uh, 46 when he came. So he's opened the airspace to the Israelis and inching closer to normalization. Other interesting developments there is the Egyptian army uh, has gained the upper hand of terrorists that are raging in the Sinai, and, and that these terrorists, uh, you know, have been forming near the Suez Canal. Again, a neighbor of Israel and a friend of Israel um, has helped thwart a lot of that uh uh, potential of, of, of what's going on. I'm going to start to zip through some headlines really quickly, but it kind of points to a lot of supporting what, a, what you know some of the things I'm talking about. Uh, Benny Gantz heads to the United States. He he met in Florida with Tencom. Uh, again, whatever he can do to, to deter uh, or issue warnings to the U.S. not to engage in this deal um, with, with Iran. Uh, the rep- here's a report uh, here let me get to these headlines so you can see them if you're following me on video Russia to use Iran to bypass sanctions and sell oil if the nuclear deal is clinched so part of the arrangement that the Russians are trying to push is that they can get around the sanctions too because they're allies with uh, Iran so they're pushing for this to be dealt and then they would be able to uh, kind of offset their sanctions in conjunction with this deal um, IAF stealth planes penetrated Iranian airspace months ago. So it says here the Israeli Air Force F-35 stealth planes penetrated airspace, Iranian airspace, according to Saudi media outlet Ilaf. Both Iranian and Russian radars failed to locate them. Interesting development there. Uh, Europe kind of getting back to the whole problem with uh, the energy uh, the French and the German electricities are up 1,000%. Let me say that again. Germany and France, the two leading nations of Europe, their energy prices are up 1,000% over last year. So obviously, you, you take into a, uh, account what's happening economically around the world, and then this throws a big monkey wrench into it. Um, and it also cites here Russia burning off $10 million of gas a day that would have been sent to Europe. Uh, so there's a report that, that um, residents of Finland began reporting a huge jet flame coming across the Russian border. Satellite images detected a massive heat bloom that turned out to be a Russian liquefied natural gas plant uh, burning, off the, the, burning uh, off the gas that would have been piped into Europe. Um, Russians are burning 4.34 million cubic meters of gas worth about $10 million every day that would have been facilitating to the European homes. Uh, and again, Russia cut the flow of Nord Stream 2 down 20%, which is the pipeline into Europe. And, uh, you know, they said, well, it, 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 it was some, uh, what's the word I want? Some... Um, 
oh, uh, disaster recovery procedures and you know emergency procedures, and it was obviously a means of punishing Europe. Uh, let's get back to the headlines. Um, 46 discusses nuclear deal constraining Iran uh, on its call with the UK, France, and Germany. So again, uh, U.S. trying to get the everybody on board to sign this deal. All reports coming out are saying this is far worse than the original deal in 2015. Um, here was another interesting thing I felt. Uh, just a few days after 46 visited Israel and Saudi Arabia, Putin left Russia for the first time since the Ukrainian war and went to Tehran to meet with the Ayatollah uh, and uh, um, Erdogan, the uh, president of, uh, of Turkey. So here you have, again, these three leaders of the three nations in Ezekiel 38 that have their militaries on the north. And I personally believe that's no coincidence. They saw that the U.S. president went that way, so they kind of up the stage and said, okay, you know, it's it's a chess match, but unfortunately it's a chess match that impacts lives and souls. Um, another interesting development, Israel and Turkey returned to full normalization and relations. Uh, I, I don't know, you know, how many people remember you had the flotilla uh, coming across where, you know, you had some exchanges, some military exchanges between Israel and Turkish boats that were kind of the whole free Gaza thing. Um so that's caused a lot of stress over the last 10, 15 years or so. So relations are, are, are settled there. But then a couple of days later, Erdogan has uh, Abbas, the leader of Hamas, um, not Hamas, um, Fatah from the West Bank, meet over in Ankara in, in Turkey. So, you know, there's, Turkey is, is just, uh, just a very, very interesting uh, country and, and the development of all things because they kind of they're one foot in one foot out, you know part of NATO but yet they're aligning with Russia and, and Iran and it's it's a it's a very complicated uh, relationship. Um, Israel's envoy to Germany and this was another interesting thing. Um, Abbas again the leader of the West Bank he visited Germany and he said this that the. Uh, uh, he made a, a reference that Israel has committed 50 holocausts against the Palestinian people. And he made this statement of all places in Germany. So um, the, the the German prime minister took exception to that and basically said, you know, uh, he left Berlin and said, you know, you you won't be back here anytime soon. Um, they, they were deeply offended at the remarks there. Uh, Russia deepening ties with Sudan, set sights on establishing a naval base. Again, that's part of Ezekiel 38. Um, you have Russia making their presence known in Libya, now here, so the North African coast. So they're expanding and expanding their tentacles. Iranian uh, satellites successfully launched by a Russian rocket. Uh, the, the launch signals a new co cooperation between Moscow and Tehran. The launch of the satellite came two weeks after uh, Putin's visit to Iran, coincidence or not, uh, you know, you, you, you can make that decision. Um, there's a memoir that came out that I'm, I'm kind of interested in. I, you know, it just came out. Jared Kushner, uh, who is the son-in-law of 45, had a, appeared to have a very, very big and significant role in a lot of the developments that happened that pushed the uh, Abraham Accords across and, and drove a lot of the peace between the neighboring nations of, of Israel 
And uh, so, you know, I, I kind of cite here, I'm interested to read it because they took a completely different approach where for so many years, you know, trying to strike deals with between, peace between Palestinians and the Israelis and plenty of American presidents, Europeans, uh, the Turks, they, they tried to make deals. The Russians tried to get involved in it. Um, and it was always a land for peace thing. And you can take this for whatever it's worth, but they came at it from a completely different approach and, and they struck the deal. They got the, the uh, um, they first put out a, a plan that would have given out uh, um, land for peace that supposedly, I don't know this for sure, um, that they knew that the Palestinians wouldn't take, even though it was a great deal for them. Because traditionally, they've always turned everything down anyway. There was nothing that, you know, they've always, always turned it down. Um, there are some that believe that that was the downfall of 45 because he tried to exchange Israeli land. Uh, you know, I, 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 I don't know that. I respect uh, Bill Koenig, who is a supporter of that. And I believe, I believe Michelle Bachman was too, who I, again, I have a high de- degree of respect for. Um, I just personally believe that they were using that to set the stage because once the Palestinians turned that down, then they went directly. So then the Palestinian peace deal was off the table to get these peace agreements, and they were able to drive the peace agreements with the four nations, which set the stage for Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia had a huge hand in those developments and now could be very close to striking a deal with Israel as well. So his memoir came out. I, I, I show him here with um, Joel Rosenberg, who I've, you know, I've cited a lot. And some of the information I relayed about the consensus of the Middle East, some of that information comes from Joel's ministry. I, I just, you know, I've been a fan of Joel's for 20 plus years. I've read all his books. Um, just, just a wonderful ministry, wonderful um, writer, very, I believe, very gifted from the Lord. Um and I'm showing uh, uh, Prime Minister or De- Defense Minister uh, Gantz uh, visiting Florida and CENTCOM. Then you have the um, Iranian Foreign Minister saying that they've uh, they're at the tail end of the negotiations. They're they're kind of in the home stretch. Um, he said he calls it the closing stages. So that's that's how close that you know we could be. And uh, again. You know, the the Mossad, the intelligence, you had Lapid just say, you know, this is this is a bad deal for us. Um, Going to shift gears a little bit again towards Russia. Uh, the daughter of Putin's brain, Dugan, killed in a car explosion. Supposedly it was his car. And this was supposedly initiated by the Ukrainians. And the Ukrainians have been going on the offense um, into Crimea now, so that they're going into ter- Russian territory as opposed to just defending Ukrainian territory. Uh, there's the concern that the there's uh, been a great deal of military exchanges by nuclear plants within uh, Ukraine. So that's been you know in the news over the last few weeks. Uh, that really started months ago, but again, it's escalated some more. Then you have more news come out that Russia's Black Fleet. Had, uh, um, had just received 12 new ships, and it's the, 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 the commander of the Black Sea Fleet is participating in special military operations. And again, I show you the, the map of the Black Sea and the importance of uh, controlling those sea lanes uh, in Ukraine. It has a great deal to do with their strategy. Now I'm going to shift to something that, you know, is very troubling. 
Um, but I guess in this world we live in, it shouldn't take us by surprise. So uh, 45 had his home raided by uh, the, the FBI and, and the Department of Justice. And, and, and I'm not going to get into all of it. I mean, to me, the, the very same people that initiated the, the Russia gate and the hoaxes and, uh, you know, all the things that put this country through uh, for years, it was all proven to be false. It was all predicated on lies. Uh, the the, the uh, dossier that came out and, and so all of that. But I, I and then you had, you know, the impeachment one, impeachment two, the January 6th committee and now this. So to me, it's very, very clear. This is just my opinion that they are doing everything that they can possibly do to screw uh, uh, not only him, but people who would support him and their policies because it flies in the face of what their end game is, which is certainly uh, um, a, a global move. And, and you know, uh, again, I don't want to go down because I could speak for hours on this and, and the obviousness of it. So, um, they are going to do everything that they can to, to discredit him, to take him down. Um, you know, and, and the reason that it's so obvious is not only has this, the, 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 the left, you know, been proven time and time and time and time and time again to be lie after lie after lie and taking him down. Um, and whether you like him or not, I don't personally care. I, I'm a Republican, Democrat. It's about the policies, and the policies were very effective and very productive for not only the U.S., but also for Israel, and also as far as uh, biblical principles, um, you know, the support of human life and, and, and against abortion and whatnot, um, the support of Israel to bring in the capital to uh, Jerusalem, lining up with exactly how God laid it out, uh, recognizing the Israeli territory in the Golan Heights, and, and so forth and so on. And speaking about freedom of religion, and we went to the U.N., and he went uh, to, to Davos, and um, so those policies, if you take the personality out of it, uh, from a biblical perspective, from a Christian perspective, from a moral perspective, certainly falls in line with my thinking. Um, but here are some of the headlines. I'll, I'll just read them to you. And, you know, uh, Americans divided on trust of the FBI, DOJ in light of Mar-a-Lago raid. Uh, then you have Congressman Schiff, Mer confident that Merrick Garland acted appropriately. Of course he is. Uh, Mar-a-Lago affidavit is heavily redacted. I show you that in the video in the right. Uh, Ron Johnson, congressman from Wisconsin, who is being attacked viciously by the left, uh, and I would suggest praying for him, is way past time to investigate the FBI. They've been hiding the ball on us for years. Uh, MSNBC's Weissman, who was part of the legal team that tried to take Trump down in the impeachment, Sure, big surprise, he's hired by MSNBC. He says Trump is going to be prosecuted. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, there was a poll that said 79% say Donald Trump would have won if the uh, Hunter laptop story was exposed. And that's coming into light. I showed you some of that because now uh, um, people have said that, and the FBI has pretty much conceded that they suppressed that information. They didn't want that information coming out. Uh, so they tried to downplay it as Russian disinformation. Uh, lower right, I said how Mark Zuckerberg told Joe Rogan that Facebook censored laptop story for seven days, and that was specifically a request from the FBI. Uh, whistleblowers, FBI forgave, forbade agents from probing Hunter's laptop after the 2020 election. 
uh, Congressman Getz from Florida, every element of our government is weaponized against us. DeSantis, the governor of Florida, says the FBI's raid, Mar-a-Lago raid, federal agencies have been weaponized against political opponents. Uh, Marshall Blackburn, uh, senator from Tennessee, a a cabal has politicized the FBI. So again, I've been... I've been interested and I've been watching the reaction of countries around the world towards what happened here. And they are disheartened because, you know, whether you're a supporter of the left or the right, they see the dysfunction of the United States. They see the obvious uh, uh, implications and, and, and the problems that are associated with this. So, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. I'm going to really quickly start to wind this down of some headlines about... Um, Droughts and how this impacts uh, prophecy. These were part of the birth pangs that we're seeing. Uh, the American Southwest drought is at a tipping point. Meteorologists are using this phrase to refer to devastation brought through the Southwest United States. This is all going on right now as we speak. Uh, the mega drought in the West has left Lake Mead and Lake Powell at historic lows. A report in April said the Colorado River uh, system, which provides drinking water to 40 million people across seven states, is now the most endangered waterway in the United States. Uh, This river basin is in the 23rd year of a historic drought. Uh, And I show you some images here. And, you know, all of this was foretold in the Bible in terms of these are what what is called the beginning of birth pangs. Um, So, you know, this is just something else to look at. Something very similar happening in in China. Uh, they're seeding they're seeding clouds. They're trying to in- induce rain with their own man-made rainfall because of droughts that they're seeing there. Uh, they issued a, an extreme heat warning for 138 of its cities in the province of Sichuan, which is a key manufacturing hub and home to 84 million people. The government forced the shutdown of the factories this week in order to ease a power shortage. These are factories producing the components for many of the computer and phone technologies. This shutdown will definitely impact the global supply chain. Again, these are just things that you're seeing. I I, I just don't know that you're seeing all of this from other parts of the country. We see it as it impacts the United States if you're an American, and we do have people from other countries. And I will pause for a second and say I'd like to thank... People from, mostly this is an American audience, but I've been hearing from Australia, uh, Norway, India, England, um, there was one other country, Ireland, uh, and I think there was a few others, the name eludes me, uh, Australia, I I don't know if I said that or not, but at any rate, thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, to my Australian friends, Sky News has been uh, an interesting thing that I, I would like to look at and see what their take is. They're very concerned with what's happening in China, obviously, because of the proximity, uh, you know, uh, across the China Sea and, and how that impacts things. And they're being threatened uh, in terms of any potential recognition of Taiwan. So all of these things are happening. Um, the Rhine River in Germany is running is running dry. Farmers in France are facing tremendous losses of wheat crops. Farmers in Italy lost up to 80% of their harvest. Ranchers in Texas are li- liquidating cattle herds because it's becoming more difficult to feed them. There's no grass and there's no hay. So, you know, all of this stuff, again, foretold. Um, but I, I started that one piece with China, and I wanted to mention China. Let me do this. 
because um, one of the colossal changes of 21st century has been the political, economic, and military awakening of Asia, primarily China. Uh, this century has been dubbed the Chinese century, a population of 1.4 billion. The enormity of China's geography and population alone makes this development noteworthy. People's Republic of China, ruled by the CCP, Chinese Communist Party, is flexing its muscle, expanding influence around the globe in rapidly accelerating pace. Here are some things to keep your eye open with. China will overtake the U.S. to become the world's biggest economy in 2028, according to the Center for Economics and Business Research. China's economic engine is running at full speed. China still regards Taiwan as a renegade province. Many expect China to test uh, the U.S. resolve with, with more uh, aggression towards Taiwan, and they're expanding into space as well. I didn't cite this, but the beginning of the month, um, Congresswoman House Speaker Pelosi visited uh, Taiwan uh, against the um, endorsement of, of the current American administration. Long story short, days after she left, uh, Chinese uh, flew um, uh, missions into Taiwanese airspace at eight different geographic locations around the country, violating airspace for eight consecutive days, clearly uh, you know, sending a warning not only to, the, to Taiwan, but to the neighboring countries as well. But getting back to China, why is China so important? And I've said this before, if you look at Revelation 9, 13 through 16, John talks about the army of 200 million. That's an enormous army. China is the only nation in the world that can boast an army of 200 million. This started, I think, in 1965, they first admitted it. But I found some interesting information about this. The most staggering aspect of this prophecy is the size of the army. Um, the total number of troops under arms in World War II on both sides was never more than 50 million. World War II. The Roman army in the first century consisted of 25 legions of about 125,000 soldiers with an auxiliary army of about the same. Some estimated that when the Apostle John penned these words in A.D. 95, the population of the entire world was 200 million. For this reason, many are tempted to, to spiritualize the number, but I won't get into all that. But my point is, you didn't even have that large of a population when John wrote these words, and yet he said he saw the army of 200 million and heard those words. And yet today we see the army of 200 million as part of uh, the kings of the East, and they would potentially be coming across the Euphrates River after it dries. Again, all of these things were said in prophecy thousands of years ago, and that's exactly what's what's happening right in front of us today. Uh, close with this, just a couple of sh brief um, other notes. Uh, Catherine Austin Fitz, who if you're interested in, in economics and technology, she's just a tremendous resource. Uh, she said this, we are in a period of great change and uncertainty where the central bankers are trying to keep the dollar system going. Lengthen the dollar system and accelerate bringing in the new system, trying to bring in the new system without anyone realizing it. They're testing the new system, which will be transactional, and that it's all digital, essentially ending currencies as we know them. There is a DC rumor and there is a likelihood that this currency could be put in place by the second quarter of 2023. We know that is the future, we just don't know the timing. There remains much concern that the powers uh, could shut off or restrict the use of digital currencies if a person does not comply with federal overseers. We will continue to monitor this very closely. 
And this clearly lines up with exactly how Revelation said it, that they will control whether you can buy, sell, or trade uh, based upon the mark of your hand. So the technology, everything's here. It's moving towards digital. Um, and the U.S. dollar is is in dangerous waters, I'll put it that way, as far as you know, being the, the staple, being the mainstay of, of what people would be able to use. World Economic Forum, solid rational reasons to implant microchips in kids. I've talked about the uh, World Economic Forum before and Klaus. It says, claiming augmented reality technology has the ability to transform society and individual lives. The WEF recently suggested that there are solid, rational, and ethical reasons to consider implanting children with microchips. Uh, According to an article published this month on their website, implant technologies could become the norm in the future, and they form uh, part of a natural evolution that wearables once underwent. So, you know, you see all these things of how they're impacting kids today and, you know, what, what, what we've seen with you know, the past couple of years and just, it's, it's, you know, breaks my heart, you know, that these kids have no say in what's going on. Um, That's part of the end game. Uh, Last, I just wanted to cite Beto O'Rourke, who's running for governor of Texas. Uh, He says he refuses to support any limits on abortion, even partial birth. The reason I, and if you followed some of the anti-abortion or uh, pro-life arguments back and forth over the past couple of months in light of uh, what happened in the Supreme Court a few months ago in June. Um, and, and you saw the leading up to that, there was just so much rhetoric going on and people coming out in support of ending the li- not only ending the life of a child in the womb, but then even after the child is born. I mean, that's the point that it went to. I've said this many times. When this law was first put into effect in the 70s, it was supposed to be for safe reasons and for um, uh, certain special situations, and it was within the first couple of months. But it's now grown. Not only now you've you've taken this to nine months. Now even after the child is born, they're saying, "Yeah, you can do it." And the reason I wanted to cite this is this is a man who's running for governor of Texas. I believe Texas is ninth, tenth largest economy in the world. Texas, never mind the United States, I'm state of Texas. Uh, it's right up there. Could be eleven or twelve, but it's and he's running for governor. I, you know, I, I Texas is such a. It's it's I believe it's the heart of this country, and I live on the East Coast, and I have the highest respect for the Texans and people of the Midwest, uh, because they are you know the heartland between the two coasts. You know those those people to me are are the the, the glue that holds this nation together, and you know the the left is after it badly wants to take Texas down. And, you know, I, I'm hoping he does, does not get voted in. But, you know, that's that's some of the battles and that's some of the things that we're up against. So so let me thank you again for uh, taking the time. I hope and trust that you enjoyed this information. Any questions or comments, please don't hesitate. Email russicoutlook at gmail.com or offer any commentary on any of the platforms that you're watching or listening to. Happy to engage whether you agree or disagree. And of course, if you have any prayer requests, I'd be happy to join in you with in, in prayer. So please email those requests to russicoutlook at gmail.com. And again, my name is Mark. You've been listening to the Russick Outlook. And remember, as always, just my opinion.